Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Agency Nation Radio. Marty, say hello. Hello. What happened to Howdy? Uh, Howdy Doody, I think he got off of TV a while ago. Marty, Howdy Marty is still uh, coming at you live and uh, on the podcast, though. <laughs> so welcome back, everyone. Um, we got an interesting topic today. I think... Uh, Obviously, that we our show is two sections. The first section is usually about the industry, and the second section has something to do with marketing, sales, and growing our insurance business. Uh, this week, you know, I, I sent this article to Marty um, to, to talk about, and it comes from uh, CB Insights, cbinsights.com. It's they have an insurance blog, Insurance Tech Insights, as part of their. Uh, they do a lot more. They're looking in the tech space. And there's some really interesting stuff coming out of CB Insights. And, and uh, they have a, a really a, a good-looking glass into the insurance tech space. And an article caught my attention called Going Micro is the Next Big Thing for Insurance Tech. And I got to tell you, Marty, I, the purist in me – the purist in me does not like this, right? The purist in me says this is not good for consumers that they're at least in its current form, you're giving too much ownership of these things to people who don't know what they're doing. Um, there's a reason why insurance products have been sold by advisors for so long at the same time, understanding kind of the way the psychology of the consumer is changing, how every other industry has now provided their customers with easier access, more access uh, to products, more ownership of products. Uh, it's hard for me to not see these products gaining some traction over the next two, five, ten years. You know, <clears throat> I agree. Um I wonder what happens uh, the day after the inevitable happens, right? Because Marty, the insurance consumer who doesn't know anything about insurance, thinks he's doing the right thing uh, for himself, for his family, for the general public, right? Third-party liability. Um, and so I use one of these services we're going to talk about a, a specific component a specific sort of sub genre of these today but if 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 i do that and i make an inappropriate choice um obviously there's there's real consequences that come with that at time of loss and so you know, if uh, if Marty's inappropriately insured and he runs his car into a telephone pole probably not a lot of people are going to get bent out of shape. If Marty's inappropriately insured and he runs his car into a bus full of kids coming home from school, that's probably a bigger issue um, for the for the regulatory authorities. And heaven forbid that there's a whole class of Martys who are putting their money into some somebody's insurance concept and the worst happens, and it turns out that that insurance concept wasn't fully baked when it was launched. So you have a whole host of people who, um, you know. And so 
So I wonder where we are with that. But in the interim, you know, there are there are some cool experiments going on. And, and as you uh, pointed out and as you shipped this article over to me, I mean, this is one of the cool ones that we can start to talk about. So if you want to read this article, head on over to agencynation.com forward slash podcast and check out episode number 24. This will be episode number 24. And and you can see this article and any of the other articles that we talk about today. Uh, Marty, you know, my biggest thing too when I when I look at this, and we're going to talk about some specific companies and we're going to get a little more detail, but just kind of getting into this topic from a high level the thing, you know, and, and again, I'm not a fighter of tech. I believe that these changes are inevitable and that as responsible professionals in our industry, we need to be thinking about them, understanding how they're going to impact our business and adjusting accordingly, right? I'm, I'm not. Uh, um, I don't know about that. I think when I look in the dictionary under Luddite, I see a picture of Ryan Hanley. Yeah, right. Mr. No Tech. So, um. But so, so being that being that the the opposite of that is true, um, I very much try to be. I I think I, I try to take a responsible view of these things. Right? I was going to say a healthy degree of skepticism. So my concern is that in the insurance tech space, and these one of these companies is eventually going to do major damage. You know, they're going to come in and really make an impact. I think a lot of them are just kind of skipping off the surface right now. And that's why it's so easy for us to brush them aside. But eventually one of them is going to make an impact. And my concern when I look at these companies is that, and, and this isn't talking to anyone in particular, this is just a broad sweeping stroke, is that their focus is on the technology and the marketing and not on the insurance, right? I feel like insurance is such a crucial part of how our of how our uh, entire world works. I'm actually working on a on an on an article for a, um, a magazine outside of uh, the insurance space uh, titled "What the World Would Look Like If Insurance Didn't Exist," right? And it's just. Insurance is so ingrained in everything we do. It, it basically allows us to get into cars. None of us would get into cars if it wasn't for insurance, right? We, we all take it for granted. Everyone hates it. They all act like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to pay for this. But if auto insurance didn't exist, who the heck would get into a car? You'd have to be crazy. You have to be crazy because some idiot could come bombing down the road and blast you and your car is just gone hey have a nice day sorry made a mistake my bad have a nice life right well, no uh, not not only that yeah we'd all be driving five thousand dollar clunkers because which one of us has sixty two thousand five hundred to buy the new uh ford uh, f-150 or uh bmw of our dreams exactly so you know it, it so that being the case I worry that these quote unquote disruptors focus more on the tech and we're going to, you know, insurance carriers, insurance agencies, broad soup and stroke, terrible marketers, right? They've created the gap that has allowed these companies to come in and try to fill it with their own technology and marketing methodology. But that being said, we can't discount. And we talked a lot about this last episode. You have to have respect 
for the people and the regulations that uh, that make this industry move. And as much as it frustrates you, it frustrates me, it frustrates so many people that ca- that insurance carriers who are s- so seemingly well capitalized to take advantage of you know the the opportunities that the industry has presented continue to sit back and do almost nothing um at least nothing compared to what they actually could be doing um they've they focus on the insurance right their business is making sure that when someone creams you at an intersection you get made whole financially right they you know you know, blast on them all they want for the lack of ha- of marketing and sales skills. The, the these companies, you know, you just look at the swath of basically anybody who's a B-rated company or better, and you can guarantee they're going to pay that claim, right? I mean, that they're going to come in and, and and provide some sort of financial restitution in the event that something terrible happens in your life. And my biggest concern is that a company like a lemonade comes in or one of these others and they're so focused on the we're gonna this this cheeky little i don't want to call it a gimmick but like this p2p thing and it's like i want to know that when my wife and family are in a car accident and 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 they're going to be taken care of that we're going to be taken care of that if a fire happens in my house that someone's going to come with a check and say here you go you know i was just talking to new york central mutual the other day um uh, they came in and we were talking about millennials marketing and I had a little meeting with them and it was it was great. I mean, for a single state carrier, New York Central Mutual is is light years ahead of they some, got it going on, some nationals. Yeah, it's really it's really amazing. Um and I'm so happy for them because they're great people and they do great work in the state of New York. Um but they said they now outfit their claims adjusters with debit cards, which so that if there's a fire on a Saturday night, he said, What is a what is a $20,000 check or a $10,000 check or a $5,000 check? What does that do for someone at 10 p.m. On a, on a Saturday night when there's a fire? It does nothing for them. He goes, so it, simply giving our claims adjusters debit cards, here, go get a hotel room and food and, and a rental car. You know, here, take this and get yourself, you know, have a roof over your head. Don't be worried about, you know, you know just take this oh, card and is, go get – Amazing. That is – customer experience all over yes and it has nothing to do with digital it's just thinking about your customers and and that's you know and and i guess we take we take for granted i'm going to jump off my horse in a second here but it's just something that's bothered me for a while and we haven't talked about is that new york central mutual is trying to do and i'm just using them as a as a case study right it just i'm not saying they're the only carrier they are trying to do as best they can from a marketing standpoint and they're working very hard and they and they're ahead of a lot of much, much larger competition. But the most important thing that they do is make sure that when the really awful happens, their clients are taken care of. And I just worry that these upstart digital disruptors, whatever you want to call them, it feels like, at least in the way they talk about their products, that the insurance comes second. And the thing I've always respected about this industry is that the insurance always comes first. The the, yeah. the taking care of your customers always comes first, and then the things that me and you like to bitch about come second, right? But that's okay because that's not really what we're meant to do, right? Right. So 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind this a little bit here, but I'm also gonna throw my spin on this thing. Um, one of the reasons 
that the established players are more conservative than some of the upstarts is because they've been around the block before. They've seen when the once in a hundred year happens. Okay. And, and so that number one informs them from a risk standpoint, but it also gives them caution from a risk financing standpoint. And so uh, I was at a meeting a couple of years ago um, when Superstorm Sandy, uh, after Superstorm Sandy had hit the East Coast. And the carrier that I was visiting with uh, mentioned the fact that they had $4 billion with a B, $4 billion in claims coming out of Superstorm Sandy. And they were going to pay for that out of current income. They weren't even going into their investment accounts. It was going to impact their financials for one quarter. I mean, that's what the companies who've been around and have, have that ability to look back over years, they realize that sometimes those things happen and you better be, better be extremely well capitalized if that comes down the pike. Yeah, you know, this is one of the things, and I know you probably do this too, and everybody everybody listening to this probably does this as well, but uh, when you talk to your uninformed friends and family who who aren't part of the insurance industry, and, uh, and Superstorm Sandy is a great example. Actually, um, uh, I was talking to an agent down in New Jersey, and he was explaining to me how uh, a couple years before Superstorm Sandy, and man, I'm forgetting his name, and it's going to make me crazy because I'd love to give him props for this right now. Um, he was t- said a couple years before Superstorm Sandy, uh, he had added an additional location and set up a cloud-based management system and cloud-based, uh, basically all his systems were cloud-based because he had a coastal location. So his initial location was coastal. And then through acquisition, he bought a second location that was inland. And what he realized was, because I have this coastal location, something like Superstorm Sandy could come in off the coast and really wreak havoc in this coastal community in which his initial location was in. And he had the wherewithal to move to the cloud. And he said, what happened was when Superstorm Sandy came in, it wiped out that neighborhood it wiped out that whole area including his office his office was unusable except his people were back on the ground the next you know once everyone was like okay and and stuff they were back on the ground helping clients almost immediately connecting with carriers and starting to to take care of this damage you know like within a day or two of this you know and and anyone who it doesn't live on the east coast i mean superstorm sandy was bad i mean really really bad Thank God it wasn't another Katrina, but I mean, just below that scale. I mean, tons and tons of damage. Uh, and I just say to myself, you know, is the is the website, internet, you know, small upstart website, P2P, internet tech startup player, are they on the ground writing checks to clients the day after Superstorm Standy hits? I don't know that they're handing out debit cards. Yeah. Are they handing out debit cards to people? Because, you know, I I, I just don't know the answer to that. And that's the thing I worry about. And maybe they are right. I mean, look, I'm not saying it can't be done. 
Um, look at Esurance, you know, even before Allstate bought them, you know, they were they were doing okay, you know. I mean, uh, I'm not gonna say great. I actually, I, I know they don't. It's it's not uh, a f it's not the most flourishing product, but I uh, I just think that I just hope this is my hope, Marty. And and I maybe this is just very diatribe. -y. It's just something I like to keep in the back of my head. I I don't want to give I don't want to give the lethargic another reason to discount the digital disruptors. These men and women are coming, and they're coming full throttle at us. There is no doubt, and we have to figure out how to maneuver our business to to, to play in this space, right? I mean, that's absolutely positively something we have to do, but. I just, I guess, as on a personal note, I'm always concerned that when these companies talk, they don't talk insurance first. And I just feel like in this industry, we have a responsibility to have respect for the product we sell and the people who sell it. Um, and it feels like, and this is what we talked about last episode, the companies that don't do that are the ones that aren't making it. Yeah, I'd agree. But, you know, so... So you said, you said, you know, these men and these women are coming and I, I'm just going to swing us back to, uh, to where we started this conversation. If, if you go to this cbinsights.com website, you are going to see where the money is coming into the industry and it ain't a trickle of cash. No. Uh, Ryan, you and I were talking about this. You and I were talking about this the other day, right? I mean, the amount of money. VC money, angel money that's coming in to our industry right now is unprecedented. And, and so uh, one of those, what, there are any number of uh, instances, we've talked about a number of them, we'll continue to talk about uh, a bunch of them. But, but one of the sort of, one of the offshoots, one of the sort of sub-genres, if you will, of... Um, of insurance is this thing that you brought you brought to the table called micro insurance. So so get us here. Yeah. So the one the the app that really caught my eye and actually I'm really interested to hear from you because I because I know you've downloaded it to check it out uh, is a company called Trove on demand insurance for the things you love. I'm reading from their homepage. Protect just the things you want exactly when you want entirely from your phone. So you can't actually do this yet. It's still coming soon. But um, the idea is that you're taking your guitar to the beach for the weekend and you can buy three days worth of insurance on your guitar or what, you know, whatever, your things. And, and it's, it's micro insurance. And they have pictures of your camera and bike and guitar and TV. And, and basically, you can insure these things for days, for hours, individual things, $200 worth of insurance. Um, different layers of coverage, and I mean, the first thing that came to my mind is your guitar is covered under your yeah. renter's policy if you <laughs> take it to the beach for three days. What the hell do you need micro insurance for? But um, I guess what they're saying is, and, and again, I, I'm, so I'm looking at this, and this was my first thought, and again, I'm, this episode, people are going to be like, Hanley, you've been gaming us all this time. You really are a Luddite. But um, I look at this and I see insurance for phones, insurance for laptops, insurance for TVs and monitors, insurance for tablets, insurance for appliances, insurance for headphones and speakers, insurance for sports equipment, musical instruments, cameras, and gaming. Now, Martin, I 
I just recently got my insurance license back, actually yesterday. Um, I had Congrats let it, on that. Thank you. I have sympathies. I'm I had let sure. it. I, it's just better. <laughs> yeah, like an idiot, I had let it lapse and um, and got it back. So I'm happy to do that. And uh, thank you to the independent insurance agents and brokers of New York for their fabulous series of CE classes. Um, but, you know... I'm pretty sure that if I have a homeowner's policy or a renter's insurance policy that every single thing I just named is covered for, and I'm going to read the coverages here, coverage against accidental damage, loss, or theft. Okay? So I'm pretty sure that for the most part, those things have coverage. Loss? If you lost something, I'm not sure that's a Oh, well, you have peril. to get a rider for loss. You have to get a rider for loss. Theft yeah. would be covered, though. Yeah, theft would definitely be covered. Yeah. Right? And accidental damage, as long as it's a covered peril, right, is going to be is gonna be covered. So I guess if you take it to the beach, it would have to be start on fire. Someone could step on it. Um, you know, the only things that wouldn't – I'm trying to think, like, like – there's it definitely if it's a if it's essentially in all perils for damage, loss, and theft. You know, so all perils, damage, loss, and theft. And it's essentially like it's just a you know it just reminds me of like a jewelry rider, like like something you'd put on your engagement ring, um, but then for a short period of time. So you're essentially getting like a rider. Uh, it's it's like a it's like a it's like a custom property rider on uh, that you would add to your ho4 just for a short period of time so instead of i'm gonna put this custom rider on my guitar for you know forever you know i have a les paul that's you know seven grand nice work right i, I watch american pickers and um and you know i'm gonna cover this forever and that's gonna be i mean god how much could that even be 150 dollars for the year um, I'm gonna pay some amount of money for three days. I'd say five bucks per hundred. I mean, for a guitar, I don't know. I mean, geez, I'm just thinking about engagement yeah. ring insurance. It's not that much. It's like a couple hundred bucks for the year I pay for my wife's engagement ring that I got her. Like, it's not. It's not like that much money, really. And it's not a cheap ring. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a cheapo ring. You got that thing out of credit. Dude, I had to max like four credit cards to get that damn thing. Um, so, yeah, I guess I just, I mean, I get it. Again, it's great marketing. And this is, this is the other piece, right? Really slick marketing. And no one's doing custom jewelry riders with a slick marketing website like this, right? So that's, that's yeah. another piece. The cool thing is they got an app. They got an app. They got an app, which, you know, if you got an app, then everything's all good. So if you've been featured in TechCrunch, then the future is bright. Um, so I, I just, I guess, I guess it's something. I certainly, you know, I don't know. What, what should I think about this, Marty? I'm just so, like. Okay. So, so, you know, let's, uh, let's try to dive in a little bit here. So. So you started this. You started this uh, whole discussion off with um, 
do we need to, you know, sh- should we throw the baby out with the bath water? Is there actually a baby in the bathtub? That Those are my words, not yours. But, um, you know, we've had professional advisors uh, in this industry for forever. And now all there are, there are a host of, of players who are saying, you don't need it. You don't need that advisor. Um, so, so my, my first question is, um, and not to change the subject on us, but you know, I recently there has, there have been a number of articles that have been talking about, uh, and you know me, I'm sort of an economics geek, right? So there've been a, a number of articles talking sort of about the, um, the fate of the American middle class, and 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 one of the things that that's very interesting. Somebody proposed that one of the challenges that we have is because we've never really been able to wrap our heads appropriately around debt. That we we get too much debt because we just don't think appropriately about do I really want to not pay off the full balance on my credit card when. I've been buying, you know, maybe less than essential things with that credit card. And so by making a series of not really terrible, but not certainly not smart financial decisions over time, we've impaired ourselves and we've we've shackled ourselves to debt. Well, isn't this almost the same concept? So so what this product is designed is telling us is that you don't need a holistic one-stop product. You should just ensure these little things as you need them. All right. The, the challenge with that is if, if I go through life believing that, you know, when I'm taking my, my Les Paul to the beach or I'm going to put the boat on the trailer and drag it behind my car to go on a, on a, on a nice weekend, um, that's all the only time I need insurance. Well, then what happens when I actually have a loss and it's not that weekend? Or do I, in the same situation as we were talking about the debt thing, because I'm making small sort of ill-considered insurance buys, am I actually paying more, even though I think I'm paying less because I'm buying little chunks at a time, but I'm never getting, doing the cost analysis to see if I'm, could I buy a renter's policy and get all that coverage for less money in a year than buying this, that, and the next thing every, for, you know, for short-term periods. So I don't know. Yeah. You know, I hate to say this, but these type of things to me seem like a play on like to me this seems like a play at the underprivileged like some I shouldn't say the underprivileged but like the, well, the economically well, the challenged right um yes both because essentially the pitch is going to be with on demand insurance you don't have to pay for that guitar um endorsement for the year that that why pay $125 to cover your guitar for the year when you only take it out of the house three times a year and just pay for those times? And, you know, and 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 I get it, you know, and maybe you save 100 bucks, but what about when the house burns down and the standard policy is only going to give you actual cash value on that guitar or, or replacement cost? Or your, or your... Or your pal at work decides that he wants that Les Paul more than you do. So he flies into Albany to pick it up. 
Yeah, yeah, or, right? So it's like, I, I guess I just, to me, I get it. I think, I think the psychology of what they're trying to do, it completely makes sense to me. I get it. I get why you're, if, you're, if you're building a product to match per, consumer perception, I feel like this is something that makes a lot of sense, right? Um, the insurance industry is, think about the way that we market our product, right? And we're all to blame for this. It's price, 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 price. And then maybe once in a while we mix in coverage, but we do it in such a stuffy way that it's like no one gives a crap when we're done. So here's a company that comes along and starts to say, you know what? Take control of that. We're going to let you take control of your insurance. We're going to let you buy insurance when you want that insurance for the amount of time you want it on the amount that you want, on the on only the things that you want. Why insure everything? Why just insure the things that you really want to get back? Bop, 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 bop. And it feeds this, uh, the millennial idea of ownership of the decision, right? Millennials in particular want ownership over the decision of what they purchase. And I feel like products like this really play into that psychology. And um, again, will Trove work? Will it be you know, some iteration of Trove in the 17th company that latches onto this idea and creates their own insurance app. Um, will we all have our own favorite on-demand insurance app someday? Will we be seeing, um, you know, commercials for on-demand insurance? I'm sure someday we will see, uh, we'll see this because I think, I think it's matching a consumer need. It just scares me. And, and what I'm, you know, I'm digging into Trove a little bit. Basically, it looks like they're just placing this through an agency through, and right now just in Australia, um, on Australian insurance carriers. But, uh, you know, if, if that's the case, and basically what they're doing is they're pooling insurance resources and contacting a large carrier here in the U.S., large national carrier, and saying, you know, we're going to basically buy one policy and then use this platform as just a way to add additional insureds on for periods of time and products and basically pooling an insurance product with a large carrier that's ultimately going to do the fulfillment. Well, if that's what they're talking about, that's a freaking brilliant idea because now you have the backing of a large national U.S. insurance company, but the 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 mobile platform and psychology of, so let me, of, let me, of let me dive like down this. for just so, a second into the app. So I saw this thing, I don't know when it was, a month or two ago, you know, and obviously uh, it kind of piqued my interest. So I, I downloaded their app. Um, it's pretty cool. It's very simplistic. I would classify it almost as a uh, an inventory of your belongings. Very easy, um, very intuitive. I added my car. I added my house. Um, of course, as Ryan said, there is no insurable uh, capability in the U.S. yet. But, um, you know, I, I, I played with it enough to say, oh, this is kind of cool. And literally um, when I stuck in my address, it found me on Google Maps. And they had all of the vehicle um, information for all the manufacturers. So adding my car was pretty straightforward. Um, nice, simple, good-looking application. You know, and then what it does is it reports back to you as it can what the value of those things are. Okay. 
So I have um, my Trove net worth is on my phone now. All right. And uh, so I looked at it. It was cool. I did a couple things with it. Forgot all about it. Right. Till Ryan sent this thing over today. Well, I logged in uh, earlier and I see now I have no idea where this data came, came from, but it says that uh, my real estate holdings in Minnesota have decreased by 1.6% since the last time I was in the app. Now, you know, maybe that came from some some uh, yeah. you know, real estate database somewhere, I don't know, but it was interesting to me, nonetheless. So, um, I think there's something here. It remains to, to be seen how it gets rolled out. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think, <sighs> you know, I wish that you know, we were talking about a major, not even a major, any any IA carrier thinking like this. I just, it would bring me so much joy <laughs> to, to think that someone in our space was, um, was, was thinking this far forward and really considering the psychology of the consumers that we, that we work with. Part of that, I think, is a disconnect between uh, the actual people buying policies and the carriers themselves. They've always worked through agents for so long that I think to a certain extent carriers are disconnected to the people who actually buy their products and the psychology of those people. Um, I don't necessarily blame them for that, but I do think, and this is one of the pieces of advice that I gave to New York Central, is that human beings are always going to want to be connected to other human beings. There will never be a time that, that I think I will ever live in, and I'm only 35 and I plan on living for a long time, uh, where... I want to transact business 100% in a world that doesn't have any way of connecting to another human being. I just don't think that will ever exist. I think, you know, I'm always going to want to be connected. I think access availability, you know, education. I mean, there's all these different things that will, that will you know, change and, and morph and mature uh, how that happens and what those interactions look like. But ultimately, there's always going to want to be a human being. So we have to support our agents and help them uh, do their work in the most effective way possible. But I do think that it is irresponsible of a carrier to solely rely on the agent for understanding the psychology of the consumer. And I don't mean that in a way of like, it's time for carriers to step past agents. That, that's 100% not what I'm saying. I'm saying that carriers are doing their agent workforce a disservice by being so disconnected from, from the person who buys the policy, right? There's, there's, there's almost like, and, and Marty, you've spent a lot of time with carrier people too. They know agents and they know insurance. I don't know if they know the human beings buying the policies as well. Now, that's not all of them. Some of them are very, very in touch. But um, I think we all could do a little better job of understanding what, what, the needs and desires are of the people who actually buy these policies and just looking at demographics alone and saying, oh, we're just really good at people over the age of 36. I don't I don't think that that's well, necessarily the right way to go. You about know, funny, it. funny you bring this up because I was uh, recently at a state convention um, where I uh, listened to a panel of um, CEOs of insurance companies and. I also sit on a working group for ACT on, you know, sort of emerging issues for the insurance industry. And one of the things we're talking about is what about these 
clearly new market niches that need to be addressed. You know, so whether it's uh, um, uh, transportation networks, Uber, um, Lyft, or drones, or you know, all the stuff you and I talk about all the time. The question is, where are the insurance companies? And when I looked at this panel. And, and listen to what they said. It's very obvious to me, and some of it is a function of what we've been talking about earlier in, the, in the, the episode, and that is they do have the long view, right? So they're not really going to go out of their way to jump on a bandwagon, which might blow up. And so, uh, so insurance companies are, by nature, very conservative. And I think that that's one of the reasons that you don't see them reacting perhaps as aggressively to consumer, you know, the end insured need and requirement because they've got a lot of systems and processes in place that need to be, um, that need to be fulfilled and, and the check boxes need to be checked before they can really bring their financial and underwriting skills to bear. Yeah. No, I know. I, you know, I'm not, uh, five or six years ago, I probably would have blasted off and, and blamed people and made accusations. I'm, I'm not so, uh, naive, uh, today as I once was. Um, I understand that there are reasons these things are in place. I, there are reasons the industry moves slow, but I feel like, I feel like in, this is, this is the part that bothers me just a little bit is we use those things as an excuse instead of saying we have to move slow we can't just all of a sudden throw a bop on a drone business and hope for the best that would be illogical and crazy right because then if we were paying out ridiculous claims that we hadn't properly underwritten for in that line of business we can't pay our you know, main street retail claims that we've been underwriting and paying for a hundred years, right? I, I get that. But I, I think we rest on that a little bit as an excuse and we don't do as much. I would love to see just one exploratory person in every carrier, right? Just, just one crazy A running around uh, trying to figure this stuff out, right? And maybe some of them have that and we just don't hear from them, but it just feels like we sit back and we go, yeah, we'll get into drones in about seven years. Yeah, and and I think that that was okay for a long time. It just nobody could move that fast. But now you have companies that are like, bah, we'll do it. And and I, I just worry that, I worry that the speed of change is ultimately going to do the entire ecosystem a disservice because these people who are more interested in disruption than properly insuring people will fill gaps that that insurance carriers that have been around for 150 years are too are too slow to fill in the time that consumers need it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And what I'd like to do is uh, uh, take your sort of we don't know. And I'd like to throw a challenge or an invitation out to our listeners. If you work for a carrier and you've got some cool stuff going on, we'd love to know about it because we'd love to share it with our listeners. Yeah, that that's a great call. And uh, and, and really, I, I guess I'll throw that out too. And, and I kind of want to wrap this up. We've been talking for a while and 
Um, I think we, we kind of hit our points today and uh, give you guys some good things to think about. And this article will, like I said, be up on Agency Nation forward slash podcast and just look for episode number 24. Uh, anytime you guys have a cool case study, you're listening to this, you're like, oh, you know, we're doing this cool thing or I'm working with the carriers doing this. I mean, I couldn't wait to highlight New York Central Mutual. This meeting I had with them last Friday was phenomenal. I mean, again, and they're still trying to figure it out. They don't have all the answers yet, but... I love that they have a team of like I couldn't remember it's five or six people who are exploring how do we how do we connect with millennials how do we help our agents connect with millennials how you know what does that look like um, they're working on uh, additional product lines which are more aligned with the millennial need and and pricing that millennials can actually afford and again they're figuring all this out I mean I, like I said I'm not saying that they have the the end all answer but it just was exciting for me to sit down with a group of people who were like you know we got to figure this out and it may take you know I think they had been working on it for a year already if not more and it may take another year before any of this hits the market. But but we know there's an issue. We know this is something we got to figure out, and we're doing the work. And 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 so I'm happy to highlight them and as a as a really quality carrier, someone I loved writing business with um, when I was still an agent. So uh, any case studies you guys have, hit us up Ryan Hanley at TrustedChoice.com. You can email me or Marty Agather at TrustedChoice.com. Hit us up questions, comments, case studies. Um, we love this stuff, and uh, you can always find us. Um, you can always find us on iTunes, Stitcher. We're now on Google Play for your podcast. We'd love a rating review of the show on whatever podcast network you listen to. And guys, the other call to action I'm going to make today is uh, connect with us on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Agency Nation. I use the Agency Nation Facebook page as like my curation tool, right? So I, anytime I find great articles like this, I'm, I'm constantly reading this stuff. I mean, Marty and I are both doing this. We're complete geeks, and, and it's also our job. Um, we're always sharing them in. I do Facebook Lives, uh, graphics, uh, stats. Um, we're always sharing cool stuff into there. Um, and it, it, it's a really nice community. We get some good comments and uh and I just think that uh, I think the Facebook page is a useful tool for your business is coming back. You know, I might go there. I just read some stuff that uh, said that yeah, Facebook's um, Facebook's I don't know what the right term for it is, but one of their nightmares is coming to life. For the last year, the number of people who have been willing to personally share to post their own stuff, whether it's pictures of your vacation or a comment that you actually write yourself, that has fallen off a cliff. And so much of what's going on is reshares, right? So I see an article you wrote, so I share it with my friends. And so they've actually got a, um, they've got a, task force put together to try to figure out how they can stop it. And one of the, one of the theories is, is that because of um, some of these new, the, the uh, edge rank algorithms, I think there's a new one, Ryan, that you probably know better than me. Um, they, they, they made a switch because they wanted more to drive more revenue. Right. So, so they started promoting um, brand stories, brand comments into streams and so the challenge has been is that if you log in and you look at your stream and you don't see anything that's 
particularly relevant about your friends? Is it creating less engagement? So therefore people it's a, yeah, it's a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. And yeah. No, you're hundred percent on it. It's really interesting. And um I'll tell you this is and I and I wanna get out. We're going way long here today. We we could talk about Facebook next episode if people want, because I'm like so dialed in on what's going on there right now, especially with Facebook Live. But uh so I don't use any tools to share there. Like I don't use Hootsuite or whatever. It's all native. I post a lot of original stuff. I post you know what I mean? So Everything doesn't have a link or a call to action. So I just, if you guys are connected to that page, I just want you to find value in it, right? Like I just want you to be able to say, hey, you know, when I see something from Agency Nation, it's usually like a cool article about the insurance industry or, you know, something fun like that or insurance marketing or sales. And um, I really take it with with the idea of I'm not always trying to sell you something. I'm not always trying to drive you back to my website or to our next thing. I just want you to find this page valuable. And dude, we're getting like 35, 40% organic reach on some of our posts, which uh, we could talk about what that means uh, some other day. But um, I just connect with us there. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool stuff coming. Um, I want to find some ways to get people more involved. And again, this is a learning process for all of us. Um, So yeah, connect with us there. But otherwise, this has been a fantastic episode. Um, I probably, people got to see a different side of me. I'm, I'm not always the shoot from the hip um you know push 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 wild cowboy um and marty you probably know this about me i i do i do in, I intensely intensely care about the future of this industry and the value that we provide um you know the the, the american public and uh you know i just worry about some of these things so everyone to share that goes on a rant every once in a while this is just like my personal little rant platform well you know at sometimes uh sometimes our blood gets a little heated and we have to let off some steam and you know, that's yeah. natural. And we're, you and I are lucky in that we have this as our therapy. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's like, it's like, it's like therapy that people get to, uh, people get to like kind of voyeur on a little bit, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with being a voyeur. We all have our, our things. All right, buddy. Um, 47 minutes, great episode, tons of fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Come back next week. This is episode number 24. We are out of here.